0: You're listening to Diana's Monster, the story of Diana Edith Harris and the events that transpired on July 23, 1993 in the town of Evanston, Texas. These include the death of at least seven and the disappearance of two, as well as my own birth. My name is Martin Cruz, and I'm searching for my biological parents. My connection to Diana Harris is unknown. In fact, it's entirely possible there isn't any. I'll be telling the story as it happens, so if you haven't already, go back and start at the beginning.
1: When Diana went missing, I was the only person who didn't buy the story they were selling. I know Diana didn't kill those people. I know she didn't start the fire at the factory. I know it. People think you did something. I exist. There's nothing more offensive to the people of that shithole town than that. Every day I wake up is like a slap in the face to them. A reminder.
0: What happened that day?
1: What is the statute of limitations on attempted murder if both parties are dead?
0: Wouldn't that be conspiracy to commit? I'm, I'm not a lawyer
1: then I will not say anything more. Did you love Diana Harris? I still do. She's not dead, Marty. Don't you see that?
0: Last week, we focused on the two men in Diana's life, and there's definitely more to the story. We've only begun to scratch the surface with them. But before I continue with Garth Allen Gibson's account of the night of the fire at the Addis Turkey plant, we need to understand the events as they unfolded from a different perspective. Joel Harris, Diana's father, recalled his involvement with Martin Hall and the events that led to his relocation here in Evanston. Joel spent the morning of the fire with his mistress, Christiane LaPelle, who was nine months pregnant. Joel Harris spoke briefly of his stepfather, Dale McGinty, whom he alleged was a retired gunman. Dale McGinty was among the seven bodies found in the factory. Garth Allen Gibson, Diana's boyfriend at the time, spent that day in school. Then he and Diana met up at the wedding of Tobias Horowitz and Alicia Strike. You'll recall that the mother of the bride, Miss Virginia Strike, was also among the victims found inside the burning factory. Garth Allen states that after the wedding, he and Diana drove to the usual, an Evanston restaurant famous for their sampler platter. It was there, Garth Allen states, that Diana was abducted by none other than Lisa Grossman. Lisa Grossman, known to many as the Scarlet Harlot, also died in the fire. Or did she? Miss Grossman will be the focus of today's episode. We will follow her early years and her brief stint as a porn starlet, as well as her time in Evanston. We'll track her relationship with Diana and the day of her death. Getting the people of Evanston to open up about Diana Harris has proven difficult. Getting them to talk about Garth Allen, less so. But mention the name of Lisa Grossman and, it seems, everyone has an opinion. And they are all too eager to share. She's an icon.
2: Slut. Losey. Carpet muncher. Poor.
0: You get the idea. Them
2: titties, though.
0: But before we dive into the story of Lisa Grossman, I feel we must acknowledge the other alleged victims of Diana Harris. So everyone that died that night was connected to Diana. She had the strength to carry six people... Seven. At least seven people died that night. Lisa Grossman, the Scarlet Harlot. Dale McGinty, Diana's step-grandfather. Virginia Strike, the mother of one of Diana's clients. Cheyenne Silver, Diana's boss. Fiera Montreal, a maid at the Carlotta Inn who was assumed to be Joel Harris's mistress. Darren Hickey, a former factory worker who was laid off, and an unnamed male victim. Most, if not all, of these victims are in some way connected to Diana. In retrospect, it's easy to see how the blame would lay with Diana Harris. Joel Harris spent the morning of the fire in a suite at the inn with Christiane Lapelle, his mistress who was nine months pregnant. The rest of his day is unaccounted for. Until now.
2: they were in a booth. The old man arrived early and started smoking through a hole in his throat.
0: That's the voice of Gwendolyn Wendy Ellis, a former waitress at the Cherry Street Diner, as it was then known. Gwendolyn is, I think, in her mid to late 30s. I'm not quite sure, and my mother taught me that it's impolite to ask. She reminds me of an aging Jennifer Aniston. Was he nervous?
2: It was hard to tell. He was shaken, but that could have been from all the pop he was drinking. He told me he was waiting on his son. He made a lot of chit-chat. I figured he'd want to impress his son, pick up the tab, leave a bigger tip, that kind of thing. So I made sure to be very attentive to his needs. Didn't bother me at all that he was staring at my tits.
0: Wendy the waitress is a fan of Diana's monster and is eager to help. She's come forward with information regarding Dale McGinty and Joel Harris.
2: McGinty was alone for a while, kept reordering cola and talking to himself. When Joel finally arrived at the diner, the old man lit up. There was new life behind those gray eyes. Everything about McGinty was gray. His skin, his tongue, his gums, his hair. He even smelled gray, you know? I think so.
0: Joel Harris's mother, Edith Harris McGinty, married Dale McGinty not long after the death of her husband Matthew. Matthew Harris had left the family deep in debt, mortgaging their infant son Joel's future. The widow, Edith Harris, had gotten a flat. It was in a tire shop run by the Ghana's brothers that Edith first encountered Dale McGinty. It wasn't love at first sight, but it was close enough.
2: Joel Harris didn't want to catch up with his stepfather. There was distance between them, and not just because of the booth.
0: When Joel Harris turned 18, he left Evanston for college and vowed never to return but did so shortly after the death of his mentor, Martin Hall.
2: I want you to do something for me, Joel asked his stepfather.
0: Anything, replied Dale.
2: I want you to kill my girlfriend and make it look like an accident. Excuse me? Joel wanted McGinty to kill his mistress so that she wouldn't have to meet his wife. They were going to check into the Carlotta that night, after the thing with all the poo.
0: A conspiracy to commit murder. Christiane LaPelle died in a car accident in 2013. She had been divorced from Joel for quite some time. Sometime between deciding to have her killed and the fire at the factory, Joel Harris changed his mind. Did you call the cops?
2: I did. Joel said he had a gun. He offered to give it to his stepfather to do the killing. As soon as they left, I wrote down McGinty's license plates and called the cops. They took down the information, but I never heard anything else.
0: What do you think happened?
2: I think the maid killed McGinty, and she and Joel covered it up together. She died in a drunk driving accident. Did you know that? I did. She was the drunk driver.
0: Christiane was pregnant. Do you know what happened to the baby?
2: Christiane was always pregnant. Her mother had custody of her son. Had? He'd be a little older than you, I suspect.
0: I'm sorry, I don't follow. Exactly how many children did Christiane LaPelle have?
2: It was only the boy.
0: Wendy says that Christiane was always pregnant. Was she faking her pregnancy with Joel Harris to extort money from him? Is this yet another layer to pile on to the events of that night? Was Joel trying to have her killed only to discover that there was, in fact, a baby? And if so, where is that baby? And where is Christiane's firstborn? I'm sorry, if I can change the subject for a bit, what can you tell me about Lisa Grossman?
2: Not a damn thing. Sorry. Who can Why, hello there.
0: Someone called for a plumber?
2: That must have been a slip of my finger. I was trying to order a pizza. You're
0: listening to audio from the first film by adult porn actress Sandy Tang, real name Lisa Althea Grossman. In researching this episode, I'm watching old clips of Lisa on FisterSisters.net. That's sisters with a Z. Most of the films from Lisa's early career are near impossible to find, and for good reason. The clips, hosted on obscure sites such as this one end early, before any actual intercourse occurs. Lisa Grossman was born on February 17th in 1959. Her mother, Sandra, died when Lisa was two. Her father and aunt raised Lisa together. In 1976, on the day before her 17th birthday, Lisa Grossman, a junior in high school, left campus seemingly on a whim and never returned. She made it all the way to El Paso where she met a man named after the month of July who promised her the world and more. Julio Alvarez and Lisa Grossman made it all the way to the San Fernando Valley. It was there that Julio, acting as Lisa's manager, falsified documents regarding Lisa's age. For the next 16 months, Lisa Althea Grossman acted in over 1,600 sex scenes with over 2,000 sex partners. That's an average of 25 scenes per week and 30 scene partners. Many of her scenes fetishized the young woman. Shooting for Lisa's first film as an adult actress took place on Tuesday, April 2nd, 1976. Lisa was 17.
2: But I've never done this before.
0: I'm just gonna lay down some pipe, baby. It'll be okay.
2: What about the pizza boy? The tip is in you.
0: At this point in the scene, a second man dressed as a pizza boy enters. Lisa's first film was a threesome. Lisa claims she was a virgin at the time, but in an interview with the magazine 4247, Julio Alvarez, her manager, claims he was the one to take Lisa's virginity. In June of 1977, an outbreak of genital herpes swept Silicon Valley. At the same time, Lisa, now 18, was about to undergo breast augmentation surgery. While filling out a report on her medical history, Lisa wrote her date of birth as February 17, 1959. This same medical history was sent over to Atlas Studios in order to give Lisa the all-clear to resume work.
3: An investigation was launched when a receptionist at the studio discovered Lisa's true age and went public. Atlas Studios was shut down. Tabloid reporters and newsmen were clamoring for Lisa's story. Julio Alvarez attempted to flee the country, but was apprehended and charged with the murder of Maxwell Simmons.
0: I'm sitting with Gerald the Barber. He's a self-proclaimed expert on the career of Lisa Grossman. Maxwell Simmons?
3: He was a bookie in New Orleans. Julio owed him some money.
0: And how do you know all of this?
3: Lisa Grossman is, like, my Marilyn. Monroe? No, Manson.
0: Okay, so Lisa returned home.
3: Her return brought the town under a microscope.
0: Reporters followed her.
3: They came into town, asked questions, took pictures.
0: Gerald shows me an old issue of AFM, adult film magazine. He keeps it in a bag like an expensive comic book.
3: Mint condition. The only interview she ever gave.
0: The magazine is a retrospective on the Scarlet Harlot, as she was later branded. It's the inaugural issue of the now-defunct AFM, which was founded in 1981 and soon faced extreme competition with Adult Video News Magazine, which launched in 1983.
3: It cost me 300 on eBay, but it was worth it.
0: I think you got scammed. Things
3: only have value because we give them value. This is a piece of Evanston history.
0: You know a lot about the history of this town.
3: Lucky for you, people talk to the gay guy who cuts their hair.
0: And about you, it would seem.
3: Let them talk about me all they want. I know all their secrets.
0: So what happened after Lisa Grossman returned to Evanston once the reporters moved on?
3: Lisa's father nearly beat a man to death for running his mouth. He was locked away. Lisa's aunt Melly was diagnosed with breast cancer. Her cancer quickly spread. Lisa did her best to take care of Melly, but Melly didn't want anything to deal with her. It was the least the people of this town could do for Mellie, who was well-known in the church, when they decided to ban pornography.
0: This all sounds eerily familiar.
3: Let's just say the town motto extended to Lisa Grossman as well.
0: Lisa and Darth Allen and Diana.
3: Things come in threes. Celebrity deaths, the Hanson brothers, and black sheep.
0: The people here don't know how to take responsibility for their own actions.
3: What do you? Know how, I mean. All our lives, we've been taught to blame the rain for the flood, the sun for the drought. When bad things happen, it's all part of God's plan. When people die, it's just their time. Humans don't take responsibility for anything we do. That's human nature. We're always looking for someone or something to lay blame on. We're always making excuses. You might judge the people of this town, but the only difference is we're not hiding it.
0: But they're definitely hiding something. How did Diana and Lisa meet?
1: Diana was being bullied. Some little assholes were throwing rocks at her, chasing her down the streets, calling her names. She dug into the dollar, say, where Lisa worked.
0: Diana was how old?
1: 15. She told the story on our first date.
0: This was in 85. Think so. Lisa was 26. Yeah, sure. What happened then?
1: Lisa hid Diana under the counter. The boys came in, shit their name calling to Lisa. They said awful things. One of them even asked her to give him a blowjob. She didn't. Oh, God, no. But she challenged him to whip it out. That shut him up. There was a a take-a-penny jar, the boys grabbed it and ran, chunked the change at her. Diana was bleeding, Lisa went to grab the first aid kit, Diana knew who Lisa was. Everyone did.
0: What's your name? Lisa Grossman asked the frightened fifteen-year-old girl, though she already knew the answer. Diana Harris. Do you know who I am? Lisa asked her.
1: Diana nodded. You're the Scarlet Harlot. You don't look like a harlot.
0: Well? Said Lisa. You don't look like a monster. They
1: were best friends after that.
0: Lisa Grossman never dated an Evanston man. Many of the men in town pursued her attempted to better. She was a trophy. An accomplishment. Something to brag about. Lisa had performed in scenes with both men and women, but she had never loved or been loved by either sex. Until Diana. And now we return to the week of July 23rd, 1993.
1: That whole week Diana was in a funk. She said she wanted to start over. To be a whole new person. She said it like a whole person like she was just some piece of a human being, a slice. She wanted to make her birthday count. Her birthdays were never about her. She never got to celebrate or go out. I don't know why this year was special. It didn't really matter. She was ready to leave the past behind, to forget and forgive, to blend in and be a normal girl. And to do that, she would have to break ties with Lisa. Just Lisa? People accepted that Diana and I were a couple. There were whispers, silent judgments, but our little ruse was working. Diana and I were going to be like every other beautiful redneck couple.
0: So she ended her friendship with Lisa.
1: And Lisa didn't take it very well. After the Horowitz horror show, she tracked us down in the parking lot of the restaurant and approached the car. I was in and out of it, covered in my own vomit. I could barely make out the arguing, but Lisa was drunk. She grabbed Diana, heaved her over her shoulders. Brute lesbian force, I guess.
0: What do you think happened then? Skid marks. Excuse me?
1: There were skid marks on the road by the woods.
0: The woods surrounding Salamander Lake.
1: Lisa was trying to leave town and she was going to take Diana with her. I don't know if they fought or if Lisa was just that hammered, but she lost control of the car and drove it into a tree.
0: Maybe she was trying to avoid something. A monster? And then what happened?
1: I think the people of this town went out to the woods like an angry mob after Frankenstein's monster.
0: Or Beauty and the Beast.
1: And they set the car on fire if it wasn't already.
0: With Lisa and Diana inside?
1: No. Lisa maybe, but Diana was likely thrown from the wreckage.
0: Is that possible?
1: Have you ever seen someone fly through a windshield?
0: No. Uh, Have you?
1: YouTube. It's entirely possible that the force of the impact would have sent Diana flying through the front windshield and into the woods around the lake.
0: Seatbelts save lives.
1: Diana was reckless. Pardon the pun. She never wore her seatbelt unless she was made to. Lisa would have been knocked unconscious. I've visited the woods many times trying to figure it all out. I've watched the bark regrow over wounded trees like scabs as the rain washed away the skid marks. Someone wrecked into the trees that night, but no accident report was ever filed.
0: But you think Lisa drove her car into a tree.
1: Garth Allen sits in silence for a moment,
0: then reaches into the pocket of his jacket. He removes it, slowly, for dramatic effect. His hand is clenched into a fist, which he now opens one finger at a time. A blossoming flower of digits. Inside his palm sits... What is that?
1: It's part of a novelty license
0: plate. The metal piece is no bigger than a ring box, with jagged edges. It's rusted, charred, but there is some color. Faded rose pink and part of a beveled seraph.
1: Lisa Grossman drove a 1979 Pontiac Firebird. It was black with a pink novelty license plate.
0: You found this.
1: It was sticking out of the bark of a tree like a knife.
0: Okay, I'll bite. Say Lisa did crash your car into the woods. What makes you so certain that the people of Evanston formed a mob and went after them?
1: I saw the mob, from a booth at the usual. I was sobering up, and suddenly people were flocking to the windows. It was like someone had let all the air out of the room. My ears started to ring, my mouth like cotton, my head filled with smoke. I felt drawn to the others like a magnet and a compass.
0: Birds migrate based on the magnetic fields of the planet.
1: I'm not a fucking bird.
0: And ants and bees communicate using pheromones and body movements and touch.
1: Yeah, what's your point?
0: You're describing what it was like to be part of a mob mentality. You're saying the people of this town were drawn together without any real sense of where they were going, drawn to the woods and the lake like birds or bees or ants.
1: I mean, I guess so. Yeah, that's what it was like. Only I resisted the impulse.
0: So you don't know they were heading for the woods?
1: I know. I don't know how I know, but I know.
0: You sure you're not a bird?
1: There was something in the air that night. You could feel it. It hung over us like a heavy cloud, made it hard to breathe. Or maybe that was all of the consumed alcohol and semen of the day.
0: So you're saying whatever was in the air, this thick atmosphere created in the people of Evanston a desire to form a mob.
1: It was like being in a daze, hypnotized, an out-of-body experience.
0: And whatever this was called you toward the lake in the woods where Lisa crashed her car.
1: See why people think I'm crazy? I have to
0: take a step back and ask myself, is any of this possible? There is so much information to sort through. My notes are pages and pages of incomprehensible chicken scratch." Wendy filled in the blanks on the rest of Joel Harris's day. She says he hired his stepfather Dale to kill Christiane LaPelle, who, as it turns out, may or may not have been pregnant. Christiane did have one son, who was born in 1988. Wendy thinks Christy overpowered the weakened Dale, and that she and Joel covered it up. Garth Allen believes that Lisa Grossman abducted Diana on the night of the fire with the intent to take her out of this place, to start a new life together. He describes being part of a mob mentality, being drawn to the woods around Salamander Lake like a migrating bird. He also has proof that Lisa crashed her car into a tree that night, though the proof is thin. All of this, and I'm still not sure what I'm doing here. Was Joel Harris right? Am I simply stirring the pot, making trouble for trouble's sake? Well, um, thank you for having me.
3: It was my pleasure. I love showing off my collectibles.
0: I actually had a blast. So, do you mind if I use your restroom? You're listening to the end of my interview with Gerald the Barber.
3: No problem, just go down that hall. It's the second door on the right.
0: It's a bad habit, but I leave my tape recorder running as I use the lavatory. You have such a nice place. Thanks, it was my grandma's. And how old did you say you were? 28. Why? You just had a birthday. I did. You were born March 28th. Is your mother Christiane Lapelle? Yeah. Why? And your stepfather was Joel Harris. Is that how you knew how to get in contact with him? Uh-huh. You didn't think to disclose any of this information when I started asking questions? You didn't ask me who my parents were just for help finding yours. Do you remember Was your mother pregnant in 1993?
3: Yes, I think so, I mean. I remember hugging her growing belly, but I don't remember there ever being a baby. I
0: think I might be your brother. Next time, on Diana's Monster.